You are listening to Working File, a podcast about design practice and its relationship with the world. My name is Andy Mangold. And I'm Matt McInerney. We're joined by Linda Eliasson and Annie Wang to talk about the most uncomfortable of subjects, money. And we learned, even if you don't think you're worth it, just lie. Well, big deep breath. They say you're never supposed to talk about what? It's it's sex, money, and religion in polite company, right? Isn't that the, and politics. That the saying? Yeah. Oh, and politics. Is there four things you're not supposed to talk about? No one's ever accused you of being polite company, Andy. Come on. That's true. <laughs> well, we're going to break that rule tonight. So take a hike, Emily Post, because this episode is going to be all about money. <laughs> the money that we make, the money that we don't make, everything money related. And uh, we're joined by two returning guests, Annie and Linda. Hello, both of you. Hello. Hi. Hello. So uh, we're going to hold the carrot out here and say that on this episode, each of us is going to, to a certain degree, whatever degree we are comfortable, discuss uh, how we've been paid over the years for our jobs in the design world, different aspects of it. But, uh, but first, I want to talk about why we're doing this, because it's not just a, uh, a publicity stunt. Um, this is something that I think is important. I think things like this podcast and things like the uh, AIGA does their salary uh, review every year, which this year turned into a bigger census, which we talked about on the show. Um, all these things that make the things that people don't usually talk about, like salary and pay, uh, a little more transparent, I think is a good thing for the industry, right? Because it, first of all, limits the opportunities for companies to take advantage of people by paying them less money than they should pay them. If more of us are talking about what we're getting paid and it's more understood what our value is. Uh, and also, I think it's something that empowers people that uh, may feel like they don't deserve a certain salary or may feel like their contributions are not welcome to, you know, go into a salary negotiation or go into a job interview and actually kind of ask for what they're really worth. Um, so those are the reasons that, well, some of the reasons we're going to kind of talk about this stuff. Do other people have other uh, motivations behind doing this show? Well, can, am I allowed to say that I'm not totally convinced that it's a good thing and I'm nervous about it? Yes, you are allowed to say that. This is a safe space. You can say whatever oh, you like. It makes me very uncomfortable. And also, didn't New York just pass a law where employers are not allowed to ask for past salaries because that's a way to discriminate? So I'm not sure if I'm totally on board, but I'm willing to try and talk about it. Well, so that's an interesting thing, right? Because that uh, law that was passed is actually kind of at the root of this, right? Like the reason they ask you for past salaries in most job applications is because let's say they're planning on paying you a million dollars and you're like, well, my past salary was $200,000. Something mm -hmm. tells me your job offer is not going to be for a million dollars because they think they can get away with paying you less for that. And it's yes. pretty much the only reason that I can think of <clears throat> to ask for such a thing as part of an interview process. Uh, is there, are there other reasons I should be aware of? I, I mean, I, my understanding is that it is strictly uh, an attempt to stop discriminating between men and women on salary mm -hmm. uh and i think ah. it probably what <laughs> i was sorry that was one of those like oh wouldn't that be a nice world to live in where that doesn't happen <laughs> where Someday. that were, where that were true that that's like why people are doing it it's been framed to me as that's the reason the law is being passed am i an oh, idiot oh, for oh, that? oh no 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 i thought you were saying that that's why uh employers ask you 
Oh, no. That's <laughs> Thanks, the reason there's a law yeah. against it is because it's discriminatory behavior. That's yeah. Not... <laughs> yeah. There's really no other reason um, I can think not of. Not that the ask. government's always doing good stuff now, but, you know, that was that's my understanding of why that law is being passed. Yeah. And on the contrary uh, to what you're saying, Andy, I had a, um, a job offer recently where they were nervous that they weren't going to be able to match my last salary. So it was like the opposite. They were like, oh, we want you to work here, but like we can only offer this much and we just want to like let you know that straight away um, and see kind of like where you're coming from. Sure, I I, I get that, although I will kind of uh, be a little critical of that in that if the company isn't afraid they can match your salary, like boo-hoo, like what are they, they're afraid they're going to shame themselves by offering you too little money. Like they're, they're a corporation. <laughs> yeah, not, they don't get to have I, that, I, kind, I, of, I that say, kind of embarrassment. I will say on that front, like I think it's more, I mean, I've been in that situation where I just was worried I might be wasting someone's time where you're like, uh, here's what we have budgeted for this role. Like I, I don't really know where you fall on the spectrum because we already had a show about design titles. That's a fuzzy world, mm-hmm. right? What does that mean? Um, so I've been in that situation where I'm like, I know exactly what we have budgeted and sometimes people wait till the very end to talk about salary and I'm kind of like, yeah. I would like to talk about it up front th- just so you know, like, if we don't offer you enough, you don't have to go through this process. That's totally yeah. okay to just say, no, F you, go away. I'm also kind of curious. So like when, um, when you have a, when you've applied for a new position, like, do, does anyone like add an extra or... Like, I think I've never really, for me, I've never had someone ask me directly on while I was going through the process of what I made last, but it was more kind of like, what is your expectation? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And does that Which yeah. is go around the loophole? Yeah, I Which I've gotten both. Like, I don't know. It's kind of a, like, slightly less crappy way to ask that question, but it's really getting at the same thing, yeah. right? Like, they want you to say an expectation that is lower than they're willing to pay you so that they can offer you something lower than they're yeah, willing to pay true. you. Yeah, that's true. Which, which they have every, you know, capitalist motivation to do that. Like, I understand why that happens, but it doesn't make it okay. I think it's still kind of trashy. Yeah, um, and, like, nothing stings worse than when you say, like, oh, well, I'm expecting maybe about this much. And they just say, okay, sure, that sounds great. Deal. You're like, it's yeah, right. You're just like, oh, <laughs> no, what did I do? I, I could have asked for more. Bad. They took the first offer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't ever be I, the I, one who says the first number. <laughs> it's true. Um, and I will say that, you know, uh, part of the interesting part about the show is that we all come from different career backgrounds. I have never actually applied for a real job. Uh, I've never gone through that process. I've never had to negotiate for a salary. So I don't know what it's like to be on that side of the table. But I have hired plenty of people. And so, you know, I will say that because of how I feel about this process uh, at my company, we, first of all, don't allow negotiations on salary whatsoever, uh, which is two part. One we don't want to favor people that are better at negotiating and pay them more mm-hmm. because that's the skill you're testing there, right? You're not paying people based on merit at that point. You're paying people based on how good they are at negotiating for themselves, which is a skill that is totally unrelated to their actual skill of doing their job. So that's one thing. And the other thing is that we, um, you know, basically like, like Matt said, going in, we're like, look, we're very transparent about it. And I think the way to have that conversation, if you are an employer, is to be upfront and be like, here's how much a position is going to pay. And if you... A lot of people to negotiate, tell them that. And if you don't tell them that, and you know, if they want to walk away, they can walk away. The this whole idea of like, ooh, the company's worried that they're not gonna be able to pay you enough, so they ask you what you expect to make. Uh, that to me is just kind of a shady tactic to mm-hmm. maybe take advantage of you because you as a corporation don't get to feel embarrassed for not paying them enough money. It's not <laughs> that's not a thing you get to, to well, fall back on. I think it was on, the I time think. I think it was the time wasting thing. People are just wanting to preserve everyone's time if 
it turns out that that number is actually way too low. And you're, then you're like, oh, okay, well, then we don't even have to go through this whole process. Yeah, yeah I'm and kinda... I'm on board with that idea of like, just say, say up front, here's the amount we can spend. Mm -hmm. If you say, well, that's too little, then okay, we will not waste like two days of your time or whatever the interview. Yeah, I can tell you, be. I've had that exact experience and it's still awkward. It's awkward to sit down with a total stranger <laughs> essentially and be like, before we start this whole thing, here's that number of money. And then it's also awkward to have them be like, yeah, it's not really going to cut it. And then they just walk away. Uh, but <laughs> as awkward as that is, I think it's good to do that. Like get over it, let it yeah, be awkward. Sure. And then just, you know, go on with your process because you made, you made the, you wasted people's time as little as possible, which I think is an important thing to consider. Um, so, so yeah. Other thoughts before we just dive in here? I will say I, I don't disagree with the idea of negotiating, but it's more because maybe it's different for you because you're in a central location, but sometimes we find out things about a candidate that is that are like, I don't know, hey, the cost of living where I live is way higher. Are you willing? Like, we always have a range and not a specific number, so it's kind of like, oh, okay, you live in San Francisco versus, I don't know, Texas or something. It's we're willing to negotiate, like, okay, you have a higher cost of living, that's an acceptable reason to raise the salary for us. Uh, I guess that doesn't come up for you, Andy, but like, sure. I, I do see reasons for negotiating being a, a thing. Um, maybe, I, I that's, think, maybe that's bad because, I, I don't know, I don't know. Well, it's I, not sure. bad. I, th I think what that highlights is that, you know, you should be open to being wrong, which is essentially yes. what you're saying, right? You're saying, oh, we think this is a fair pay, and they're saying, maybe that's not fair pay, and you agree with them after you're understanding the reason. Uh, yeah. I think that's a good thing to be open to, you know, reevaluating things. Um, yeah, in our situation, that's not as likely because we are talking about sort of similar circumstances, right? Everyone's in the same city. We're at one office. So some of those things don't come up. But, uh, but I do think that's also kind of a separate thing, right? Like if one of our existing employees thinks that some part of our compensation package, whether it's benefits or pay, is unfair or inequitable or, you know, not cutting it, then we want to hear that from them, even if they're a current employee. Uh, so I think that's that's an important thing, but to me it feels kind of different. Like whether or mm -hmm. not you have that lane of feedback open with potential employees, current employees, whoever is a little bit different from whether or not you like open negotiations at the table when you're looking to hire somebody. Fair enough. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't gonna, disagree. Should minute? I be mad about that? Sorry. No, I don't think so. <laughs> what, what were you going to say in there, Linda? I was going to say that it's it was important for me to jump on this call because. Um, of the people who are going to have to negotiate, like, again, in a perfect world, I think everybody would be really transparent and there wouldn't be like all these big unknowns and you wouldn't have to be a great negotiator to also be a great designer and be compensated well for that skill. But unfortunately, there are a bunch of companies out there who are still operating that way. And yeah, most uh, of them, I would say. Yeah. And for the first three years that I was working, I had no idea that negotiation was an option. I had no idea that I could like go to my boss at my anniversary or at any time really and say, Hey, I think I deserve a raise for the following reasons. I just didn't even know I had that option until yeah. um, another one of my female employees uh, kind of started coaching me a little bit on <laughs> how this stuff works. And my mind was blown. It's crazy. It's, but it's one of those things that you just can't know until, I don't know, until you know. No, like, I think that's really great to hear. Cause I think I'm still in the the unsure of negotiating. I've always been kind of like shy about it because I kind of convinced myself that whatever package is offered to me, it's like, this is the best package that I could have gotten at this time. That's, that's interesting that you felt that. And I think that maybe uh, us girls will have a stronger opinion on that side of things. Um, and, and to, to reiterate, we, like, I, I agree. That's half the reason I want to do this show is I want to empower people out there, especially younger people. You know, I think a lot of 
students or recent graduates listen to this show, and I want to empower them to know that this is how the world works, even if I'm also going to be critical of the fact that companies are still behaving this way, right. which is not something I can really get behind. Um, but that's actually a perfect transition. So I, I'm going to go first, and I will say that uh, I have the privilege of being able to talk about whatever I want because I have no boss. I have no, I mean, I do have a contract with my employer. We have, you know, legal documents binding the relationship between those of us that started the company, but uh, I have no limitations on what I can or cannot talk about. And uh, I also have enough privilege to not be afraid of any kind of uh, repercussions. Uh, So I can kind of talk about anything. And I I do want to start actually with my very first ever paid design job, which was an internship kind of part-time thing that I started my sophomore year of college, and I worked at this place for three years. And uh, so this was back in, I guess I got this job in 2009, initially. And uh, so from 2009 to 2012, I worked there and I made $12 an hour for the entire three years I worked there. And this is actually an interesting example because I did not know that asking for more money was an option. That had never occurred (laughs) to me. I figured like, oh, I have this boss and they'll give me whatever I deserve. And I just kept $12 a year for the entire (laughs) three years I was there. And only right before I I left that job did I talk to one of the other employees. He was a friend of mine, actually the person that got me the job there. And uh, he was like, oh yeah, I'm making like $23 an hour. And I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And it turns out that he was going to the boss every six months and saying, I deserve more money. And they were saying, yes, you do. Here's some more money. And, you know, it's not to say that if I'd done the exact same thing, I would have gotten as far as this person did. But, uh, that was my first kind of brush with the sort of world of negotiating for salaries. And frankly, you know, I am not somebody that lacks self-confidence. I'm not somebody that has a tremendous amount of shame. But there's something that just felt like dirty to me about going to somebody and asking for more money. And I think what I felt at the time was that it was something I shouldn't have to do. Like, mm-hmm. it just felt like if I, was, if I deserve more money, I should get it. And if I don't get it then it's either because they can't afford it or because my work isn't good enough or valuable enough to them or because my boss was a jerk. But if my boss was a jerk, I didn't feel like, you know, hashing that whole thing out. Like, I just felt like it shouldn't be something I have to do and kind of on principle, uh, I never did it. And also because I was, you know, embarrassed to do something like that, I think. It's hard to remember exactly what I was feeling at the time. Uh, So I was digging through all my emails because I I ended up getting a second job, another part-time job at a different design studio uh, in the city um, after I quit this job. And you would think I would have learned my lesson, but I'm digging through my emails and the second job, which now I have multiple years of experience. At this point, I also had, uh, I was getting close to having my degree and I took another job and guess what they paid me? $12 an hour. And I took that as well (laughs) at my second job. You're like, well, I'm used to that. So that works. So you were still uh, in college at the time. I I was, yeah, I was a senior in college when I, when I took this job, uh, which I had that job for my senior year, part of my senior year. And then I also had it. Um, more or less full-time for most of the summer after my senior year. And uh, the one thing that was different about this job is they did give me raises on their own. They just kind of like, you know, after the first four months, here's an extra dollar an hour or something. They just kind of had oh, that built nice. into the yeah, system. super nice. So I did end up making a little more money there by the time I was done, but uh, I did not negotiate at all for, for salary. I had the email right in front of me, and they said, here's what we can pay you. It's $12 an hour. And I said, sounds great. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> uh, so... So yeah, those are my first two paying design jobs. And transparently, those are the only two paying design jobs I've had other than having started my own company. Um, nice. So let's dive into that because that's an interesting roller yeah. coaster. Well, <laughs> internships especially because I had um, like three internships when I was in college. Uh, and the first one was at an ad agency and it paid uh, $10 an hour. 
And then I worked for um, a, I'm not going to mention like names specifically. I think that's how I figured I would get around this. Um, sure. I didn't <laughs> mention names either. Yeah. And, and I worked for a, a TV studio for zero dollars. It was for... <laughs> um, it Bad was job negotiating there. Really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was an exchange for, um, for class credit. So this was like me not having to take, you know, typography three or whatever. Um, so yeah, so I was, I was paid with class credit and nothing else. And Hmm. so, but because of that, I had to, uh, still like bartend and be a waitress and everything full time on the side. And I remember having one of those moments, Andy, that you had, uh, where one of my coworkers, I found out made a few more bucks than me and I had been working there longer than her. So I went to my boss and was like, Hey, I don't think this is fair. We do the same amount of work, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh, well, she has a kid. And I was like, what does that have to do with me? It's <laughs> <laughs> technically discrimination? I'm not sure. But yeah. I she was going to ask, is that, is that fair or unfair? Is that like the boss being kind or is that unfair because you shouldn't consider that? Yeah, or because like, yeah, our, our life situations maybe shouldn't be taken into account when we're being compensated for our work. I don't know. I didn't know how I felt about it. But all I knew is that like it shut me up. And I was just like, <laughs> okay. Like, I'm good at, like, bringing up the negotiation, but then as soon as I'm shut down, I'm just like, all right. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for the talk. Actually, yeah. I think um, part of why I didn't negotiate in either of my first two jobs for salary at all, or salary for, you know, pay an hour, it was a part-time job. Part of why I didn't negotiate for pay, I think, is that at my core, you know, I, I really just want to, like, diffuse conflict and, like, make everyone around me happy. Oh, and so the idea totally. of, like, bringing up something that might cause conflict or might you know, be some kind of issue is something I'm, I'm, I'm really averse to. Like, I'm generally trying to just make everybody chill. <laughs> so yeah. I think that is part of the problem, too, at least when it comes to young Andy negotiating for his pay. And that can be a very unchill situation, like, depending on yeah, I remember how it pans out. I remember thinking about that situation, just stressing out, be like, oh, I think I want to ask for more money. And then pacing in a circle for hours it's not it's not a great well, part of why it's so uncomfortable mindset. is you're essentially saying like dear boss i believe you are currently undervaluing yeah, me. yeah like yeah. Mm-hmm. like obviously it's yeah. not i mean it shouldn't be personal right in in a, in a perfect world but it feels personal to be like you are not paying me enough to be here i think i'm great and deserve well, you say more it shouldn't money shouldn't be personal but you're you are saying like there's a dollar amount attached to me yeah. And I think you're wrong. Like, it is personal. It's a deeply personal thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Weird. Which is part it's of why a, it's, it's a very specific way to stack yourself up to other people. If you ever find out what anyone else makes, you're like, oh, I'm just a less valuable person than that person, turns out. Whoops. And it's like so arbitrary, <laughs> it's, it's, too. Oh, well, like for like my first job. So I worked, um, I had like non design, I had like a non design career before. And like my first job out of college um, was like, uh, I want to say like an events and slash admissions day coordinator for like one of those. It's a, it was like, um, do you know, like full sale? They, they're kind of like these schools yeah. that teach. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So kind of like a contemporary trade school. Yeah. Almost, yeah. So is, it was, is how I would describe it. It was a trade school and, um, it was my first job, like proper job, a uh, full-time job out of college the first time around. And my starting salary was like $26,000. And at the time I was just like, oh, this is great. I wouldn't even, I didn't even think of negotiating anything. 
I was promptly fired after six months because I was like not qualified for the job <laughs> and it was like really hard. <laughs> but so Aww. it was like totally fine, but I was just like, oh, okay, so this is not something that I want to go into. That's cool. Good learning that now. But then like my first design job after graduating design school paid twice that. So my base salary was like 50000 So in my mind, I was just like, oh my God, like I'm off to a great start. And I think that was like a pretty, that's a pretty high number for um, kind of like first job out of school. But yeah, um, then I realized. It feels that way. Yeah, it feels right? that because way. Totally. Not just before you never way, made I'm, any money. Oh, I was going to say, feel, not just feels that way. I'm clicking around AIGA's uh, salary averages. That's a pretty standard average, even for uh just like it's not differentiating between junior and senior just yeah. like most jobs it seems like are falling in the somewhere between 50 and 70 even some higher higher titles so not crazy yeah. yeah and in that position where you're transitioning from being a college student which is you're just losing money pretty yeah. much most people in college are losing money constantly right like your your tuition well, yeah. <laughs> and your cost <laughs> of a- living are higher than the money you're making i mean some people do pull it off they get a lot of scholarships they work a bunch of jobs and they can you know actually break even or even make money during college, but that's not the norm. So transitioning lifestyle-wise from that lifestyle to having a job, truly, I think it's very difficult for anybody to know like what is going to be correct, like what feels right, because all of a sudden you're like, wow, I make this much a week? That's a lot uh, more than... I remember than- having my first internship yeah. and like, by comparison, not... I, I, I don't know how you guys remember exactly what you made an hour. I don't remember what I made an hour, but I do know... I looked it up. <laughs> I don't know where I have that recorded, but I do know like I definitely, in comparison to now, like I'd be like, oh, I can't live on that. Uh, but in comparison to college, I was like, oh, I have any money at all. This is great. <laughs> any money is good money. Yeah, it makes money. it that much harder. You're like... It makes it that much harder coming out of graduation to try and figure out what your value is because, uh, you know, anything seems good. Yeah, because your it's bar better is so low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, after I graduated from college, I got one job offer in New York, and uh, I, the guy uh, who offered me the job had one of those conversations where he said going to be straight up with you we can only pay this much and i think it was something like 30,000 or 35 mm. and um i had just gotten married and i had three dogs and i like did the math and i wanted the job so bad but i was like it it literally just doesn't like work i can't does not my... compute yeah so uh then i ended up getting my first job and it was uh i think it was 46 or 48,000 and but yeah, I was ecstatic. Like that number of dollars to me was just like mm-hmm. unheard of at the time. So Wait, but was think... that also in New York? No, that was in Atlanta. Okay, that is that was the thing that I think I made a very similar amount when I started, but it was in New York, and I didn't realize how different that was going to be. Yeah, uh, than I expected. Yeah, that amount of money in New York does not go nearly as far as it does in Atlanta. <laughs> So uh, I'm going to keep going here on my little list, and people should jump in whenever they want. Uh, so 2011 is the year I graduated. It's the year that uh, we started our company, which we started in a house that, well, actually five of us, four of us started the company, and one of my uh, business partner's girlfriends lived with us for that year. So we split rent five ways in this little house in Baltimore that was barely big enough for us to live. Our living room was our office. I think our rent every month uh, was like sixteen hundred bucks divided by five, so pretty cheap. Sweet, pretty, pretty <laughs> cheap for city living. <laughs> uh, but so we started the company right when we graduated, which is May of two thousand eleven. And between May and December of two thousand eleven, the money that I was paid 
for my job at the company I started amounted to just south of $10,000, which is obviously very little money. Uh, I also worked part-time that summer at aforementioned design studio to kind of offset that. But uh, part of the fact that rent was so cheap uh, meant that like, you know, I basically got by that first year and just barely. Uh, and that felt okay because, you know, I got to start my own thing and kind of- You weren't working own, for the man. Wasn't working for the man, couldn't work Wait, on my own terms. you're the man. You were the man the whole time. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so- so obviously, very little money. Uh, I would never have accepted a job that said it was going to pay me $10,000 a year out of uh, graduation. <laughs> I but, guess when you put it that way. <laughs> but yeah, but that's where I found myself, uh, you know, eight months, seven months after graduating uh, there. So the next year, 2012, um, this year, the business picked up. And we were still living together. So we still had very few expenses, right? Like part of starting a business together when you're young and reckless is that you have basically no expenses, especially in a like design and technology world, right? We had our computers, we had already licensed the software we needed on them to do our work. So our expenses were really basically nil for those first couple years. So when, when work picked up, uh, we, had a, we had a good year and we didn't have any expenses really still. So in 2012, at this point, I was not getting a salary, right? We were not paying ourselves with a payroll system. We were just taking checks from our clients, cashing them, and you know, keeping some money in the in the business bank account, but mostly just distributing it out to the owners. And uh, that year, I made right around a hundred thousand uh, dollars, a little a little north of that. Um, and with that money, I was very luckily able to pay off my student loans and uh, you know, do do pretty well. So a big jump, obviously, from from year one to year two. Is that um, pre tax or post tax? Uh, that's pre taxes. That, that's not post taxes. This is I have all pre tax numbers. I don't remember what the post tax numbers were. Yeah. Yeah. So the ten thousand was pre tax. They don't really bother taxing you much when you make ten thousand dollars a year. <laughs> yes, that's fair. <laughs> the government is mostly like, you can keep that. We think you need it. <laughs> that's a really uh, so good yeah. second year, Andy. It is. Um, so here's the roller coaster of uh, of owning your own business. So in 2013, for the very first time, uh, we started paying ourselves a salary. And the salary we started paying ourselves was $50,000 a year, um, which you said was 50? 50. Yeah. Um, so for that year, and, you know, we've always had a, it's actually hard to tell, even from looking at my tax returns and stuff, it's actually hard to tell how much money I actually made uh, because some of the company's money is, it's all complicated and weird. But we were also getting bonuses every once in a while to everybody, depending on the performance of the company. So this year we hired more people. Uh, so it was not just the four of us anymore. We uh, got an office, so it increased our expenses significantly, uh, exponentially, and started you know, putting ourselves on the payroll system. And so our first salary there was $50,000, and it was that for most of the year. I couldn't find the exact date we started paying ourselves a salary. It was sometime in early 2013. Um, with bonuses, I've probably made another 10-ish in bonuses, I would, I would bet. Um, my my like, take-home pay pre-tax was probably about 60 that year, if I had to guess. Um, so that was that year. Uh, next year, 2014, uh, we started, and I should say at this point, um, we are paying ourselves significantly less than our employees because, you know, we're the ones that started this company. We believe that we want to get this thing off the ground and, uh, you know, we're still young and still have, you know, none of us have kids and none of us have mortgages. So we're happy to, you know, not pay ourselves what we think is a fair wage for our work. And we had no illusions about making, uh, we knew for sure that we could go and get jobs elsewhere. It would pay us more than what we were going to pay ourselves. But again, that's part of the trade-off of doing your own thing. So yeah, 50 for that year. The next year, 2014, we started slowly raising our salary over time, you know, just to kind of like ratchet it up. And by the end of the year, 
Well, we had raised our salaries to 75,000. So over the course of that year, you know, the, as it slowly raised, my actual take-home salary for the year was somewhere between 50 and 75. Uh, but by the end, my effective salary was 75,000. And since then, which was 2014, um, that's basically been my salary with the exception of inflating it every year uh, with inflation a little bit. Um, so going up a couple percent every year, which is what we do for, for everybody at our company. Um, so my salary now is a little under 80,000, uh, I believe. But, uh, and that's 2015, 2016, uh, you know, it's been pretty much that since then. Um, so the other thing about starting your own company, and, and this I actually can't talk about, but I will say that starting your own company is, has risks associated with it. And because of some of those risks, uh, my pay last year was not nearly my salary. We had to take a hit uh, financially for some reasons that I can't discuss. And so I did not get my full salary last year, and I'm not going to this year either. Uh, so well, my salary should be, like my effective salary is supposed to be, like I said, around $80,000 a year. Uh, this is for somebody six years out of school, uh, working at like a technology design studio. But my actual current salary right now is right around $48,000 a year. And uh, not sure how long that will continue, but suffice it to say, come the end of the year, the money I will actually take home will be somewhere between forty-eight dollars and $80,000. Depends how the rest of the year goes. And now you're in Baltimore, right? Yeah, That's yeah, I should mention Baltimore. that too. Yeah, yeah so we're that. in Baltimore, uh, but our clients are all over the place. Um, so that I think region is, is an important thing. Mm -hmm. um, so that's basically what I've made for the entire time since I've been working as a professional. I also like made a font that I sold uh, or gave away for free rather for a pay what you want thing that for a couple of years actually made me like almost a thousand dollars a year for pay what you want. Uh, it's really kind of trickled off since then. I make a few hundred dollars a year now from that. Uh, which is another part of my income. Uh, and I also taught a couple courses adjunct for a uh, arts college. And that does not pay very well either. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> a little bit more money from that. It also goes into my income, but really nothing compared to my actual job job that, you know, gives me a salary. You're not going to disclose that podcast salary? Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and Matt and I used to have a podcast that had some ads on it where we made a couple hundred dollars a month split three ways. So that was pretty good, too. <laughs> nice. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I, think, I think at the peak, I took home 300 bucks a month. Pretty good. That's good. And you were getting I got the, the lion's share of it. I got way more than Andy because I did all the work. Yeah, you, you were getting that double cut because you also edited it. <laughs> That's right. Um, so there it is. I've, I've laid it all on the table. Uh, that is the money I've made as someone starting their own business uh, out of college in design and sort of technology specific design. We do mostly work for tech companies, which I think is also a big factor. Before, but, um, before we jump into our stuff, can I just ask you, like, is it uh, worth it to you? Like these years that you've taken a hit? Are you like, do you even really think about it? Or are you ever like, oh, I wish I wasn't running my own company so I could go make some giant salary at some giant company? Or are you just like, no, whatever, like I'm doing this because I want to and um it. here's what i'll say the the early years i felt it zero like i was not at all upset at the end of that first year we were in business to basically have made no money right like i really truly made no money after paying towards my student loans and paying rent that was the money i had uh and i was i was, I was fine with that uh, i knew that it was going to pick up at some point and if it wouldn't i would just go get a job and it was exciting enough to start our own thing that it wasn't a hit um, now I'm getting older. I do have a mortgage now. Uh, so that's a consideration. So this most recent hit has been significant. Uh, it's been significant emotionally. It's been significant financially. I've been tightening up my belts. Uh, and it's the kind of thing where like, 
we all recognize that this cannot continue forever if this is not, and there is an end in sight. Uh, so with that end in sight, it's something I can get through. But uh, if I was told that in order to continue living my dream and having my own company, I would have to have be paid $48,000 a year for the next five years, I would not be able to continue that. Uh, or I would not choose to continue that, I should say. You can always do something if you want, but I would choose to to quit at that point because that, that's not that's not worth it um and i should say too you know I, I think this is maybe a whole other topic which is like the ups and downs of either freelancing or starting your own company i think it's actually useful for people to know what i would expect to get paid if i were to go into the job market right now and so i spent some time thinking about that uh and so if, if my job were to disappear tomorrow right i wake up in some alternate reality and our office is gone and all of my coworkers and friends have vaporized um <laughs> If I were trying to get a job in Baltimore uh, or the Baltimore area, I would be looking to get a job either as like a design manager or like the head of design at a small company or possibly even a project manager at like a technology company. Those would be kind of the three things I'd be looking at. Uh, and I would expect to be making right around $100,000 a year for that job is what I would go into negotiations looking for. Yeah. If I was to go to the Bay Area, San Francisco or you know anywhere around there, I would expect to be making almost twice that much, um, for sure. And if I was to go to New York, I would probably expect to be making a little less than twice that much, right around those ranges. If I were applying for jobs now with the experience that I have, that's what I'd be going into negotiations uh, trying to get. Um, and I think I can, I can definitely say this. I, I, did, I have turned down one job I was offered in the Bay Area for you know well over uh, $200,000 that I just didn't want to take. Um, so that feels like some confirmation that that is something that my work would be worth, at least in that economy. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, there it is. I've laid it all out. Exhale. Nice. And now we all just jump off the call. Yeah, and we're like, and okay, now we cool. all hang up and say, <laughs> now we all hang up and say, gosh, that was awkward. We got all your information. We're gone. Um, actually, I'll hop in. That actually, that honestly, that made me feel more comfortable was just uh, hearing, Andy, I'll tell you a secret. I've made, pretty much the exact same amount of money that you have in my life. Um, Maybe that, we're doing it right. Sounds, I mean, that sounds about right. Like somewhere between like get out of college, make in the 40 to 50 range, and then hopefully work your way up from there. And if you're in a small city, try to get to a hundred thousand. And if you're in San Francisco, try to get to 200,000. That seems pretty reasonable. I get as that. A, as a design manager, I would say. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I think, and I think a lot of that has to do with product design specifically. I think there's a big difference between working at like, a design firm that does branding and working in like technology companies. Unfortunately, right? yes. And, yeah. and, and I should say too, that part of the reason I'm somewhat comfortable and not entirely comfortable, I'm sitting here fidgeting like a monster. Part of the reason I'm somewhat comfortable sharing this is because uh, I don't think I've made as much money as I could elsewhere. So uh, it's, if I, if I had made just piles and piles and piles of money starting my own company, I think I might be less comfortable coming out here and being like, guess what, everybody? I'm a rich guy. Yeah. Uh, but because I haven't, and I think I've actually probably made less money over the past six years than I could have in the regular job market if I had just gone and gotten a regular job, that makes me a little more comfortable sharing it. Uh, and also, <laughs> this is maybe a different conversation too, but like I said, if I was applying for a job in the Bay Area, I would be hoping to make around $200,000 a year. And I don't think that is reasonable. <laughs> I think that is entirely too much money to make for the job that I do. But I also recognize it's what the market will bear. And it's what people are paying for that kind of work. And so well, is, it, is it unreasonable 
I mean, given what you would have to pay for housing there, is it totally unreasonable? Well, that's also like, unreasonable. Here, here's, here's, here's what like I mean by whole, that. Like the whole thing, thing is unreasonable. <laughs> what I mean by it's unreasonable is like, I am not going to sit here as a, you know, basically a shapes and colors expert and be like, you know what's worth $200,000 a year? Shapes and colors. Because I know what public school teachers get paid. Uh, and I know what people that work in the government and in sort of the public sector get paid. And those are jobs that are worth, to me, much more money and, and don't make that kind of money. So yeah. if, oh, I, totally. if yeah. I were to go into that job, I'm doing it because that's what I can get paid. I'm not doing it because I think it's what I, on some ethical or like fundamental or philosophical level, think I deserve, quote unquote, for the work I'm doing, which I just want to specify because I think there's a, a distinction there. Yeah, definitely. Like when I moved to San Francisco, I, um, I kind of, I had heard about this, <laughs> this class divide and like this problem that people aren't being paid what they're worth. <laughs> I've um, read about the classified in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, but so when I moved there, um, I, I really had no idea what I was getting myself into because I moved in with one of those school teachers who, to me, like, it seemed like she worked just as hard, if not harder than I did, um, with, like, screaming little kids all day. And, like, yeah, it, it became really kind of awkward, I think, Um for me, like I not, it's not like she was being awkward towards me. It was like me feeling awkward in my own skin, uh, being paid what I was being paid in Silicon Valley. Cause you're like, I'm, yeah, I'm the shapes and colors person. Like, why do I deserve this? Uh, it's BS, but yeah. Then... And we don't, I'll admit it. <laughs> like, but, but just because I... I don't think we deserve to be paid two or three times as much as a public school teacher in most cities doesn't mean that I'm going to not get what I can get for a right. job well, that, if I'm applying for and one. And also, is, is, I, think that's, I think you're saying that someone else is being undervalued, not you're being overvalued, or both? Exactly. Well, it's, maybe a little bit of both, probably. Well, it's, it's, I feel like for the amount of money that rent is in that city, uh, I felt like I was able to live a somewhat comfortable life, um, being paid what seems like a ridiculous amount of money. So I lived in a like 350 square foot apartment uh like a like a tiny studio apartment by myself um it had no like washer dryer or outdoor access uh it had two windows and it was three thousand dollars a month that's and wild but that's, that's normal yeah. yeah but that's just how much it costs to live in that city and to be within a reasonable distance to your office um so yeah so yeah i was getting paid like quote well but uh that much of your money just goes straight into rent and you never see it again and <laughs> uh, yeah like i i also moved to um <clears throat> i moved to san francisco i live in oakland now but i remember like when i um was still in minneapolis i kept jumping jobs <laughs> Because I was just like, eh, I don't really, I'll just go on to the next thing. But the last job I had in Minneapolis, I kind of knew firsthand that I was going to move back to the West Coast. So I specifically like looked for a job that paid more. So when they did the whole like cost of living calculations, that it would be based off of like the last salary that I had in Minneapolis, which was pretty decent. It was around like 72000 I guess. And so when they did the math, when I moved to the Bay Area, it was cost of living was like whatever it was but um it was just like it blew my mind that there was such a huge jump from like minneapolis salary to like tech salary yeah but then like um yeah my apartment 
when I moved here, I was like an in-law. Like I, I felt like I was like Harry Potter living under the stairs and it was like eight, it was like $1,800. And I was like, I'm so lucky. It's under 2000. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That actually is pretty good. I know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh, I had a bathroom. This is great. Yep. The first, the first place I, I lived in, I lived with uh, roommates so that I could pay off my student loans. And yeah, it was like fifteen or $1,600 a month. I think what also complicates the salary stuff um, and benefits package in the tech um, in like the Bay Area too is like big, there's like equity and then like vacation days. So the entire package is, um, it gets really muddy as to like salary is just one fraction of your entire kind of compensation package so it's really hard to say like well i don't like i'm a tech baby basically like uh, we have like pre-sliced apples in the fridge you know that's like the vibe <laughs> and so like wait really yeah. pre-sliced apples? we have whole oh, yeah. we have whole apples but we also have pre-sliced apples um so they, they can't even trust you to cut your own apples no. jeez <laughs> but so it gets really confusing because then if you calculate also like catered lunches and then the money that you'll be sp- like saving on food or I know friends at um, like, you know, the big tech companies where basically everything is compensated. So that gets added to your like, quote unquote, salary. So it's really hard to be like, at least for me, I'm like, I should what? wait. Wait, what do you mean it gets added to your quote-unquote salary? Like, they actually tell you that here's the value that you're getting in lunches, oh, or you're doing I'm just, it like, yourself? doing the math myself. I'm like, okay, if I spend, like, $10 on lunch every day, and that's, like, not cut in mm-hmm. uh, before free lunches, like, how does that calculate into my total salary? And, like... Although it's actually interesting. Isn't, isn't that also a trick? Isn't that a trick? Oh, yeah, to it's totally a trick. It's absolutely a trick. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still kind yeah, of. It's like actually that. interesting, though, because there's actually been some interesting lawsuits in the past few years with these tech companies that have like the campuses where they give you free food, where yeah, it's uh, some states have been saying that you have to actually calculate the value of that food and then include that in the taxable income totally, for the people yeah. that you're giving these benefits to. Uh, which really throws a wrinkle into uh, some of the ways that those companies want to account for their money. Not that that's interesting at all. Don't know why I bothered saying that. It's kind of boring. <laughs> no, there are some nerds who are like, oh, say more, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Talk more about tax code. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think like the first big jump for me was when I moved to New York and I went from my like $48,000 job to a job that paid eighty. dollars um, And that was for like a designer position at a company um like my role was just like designer um that's a big jump that had to feel pretty pretty amazing oh yeah i was on top of the world (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah and then um i think that within a year i moved jobs and then um negotiated up I, i had been learning about negotiating and um like trying my best to bite my tongue when I said these like seemingly huge numbers out loud into a phone at a recruiter. I was like, I think I deserve 90 this time. And I don't believe that. Like, I don't think that my design skills are worth that much when I was moving to New York for the first time. But I just asked a lot of people um, or like everyone who was willing to share that information with me. And I've been surprised actually how many people are willing to talk about this stuff. If you're like, hey, like this is just between us. like. I'm just curious because I want to make sure that I'm paid what everyone else is being paid. But yeah, people were like, oh yeah, you should definitely ask for this much. And just like, don't think twice about it because it's what other people are being paid. So you're worth that much too. 
Mm-hmm. Well, something something on our, that came up on our last episode that I thought was great is I, was it Robin that said this? Say uh, when you're negotiating salary, just say just imagine what your cockiest male friend would say, and just say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good rule of thumb, I think. Yeah. So maybe we should get back to why we thought this was important. Like, what? Why do we want to talk about this? Why is it important to even mention it uh, when we're all uncomfortable about it? I think it's well, like. Uh, um, having conversations with my female friends, I think it's also really important to kind of, even if it's not totally transparent publicly or talked about openly, it's still really good to share that type of information. Um, because I had a really close friend who had a couple of like her, she had fewer years on, on in design professionally than I did, but she was making like half of what I was making and still living in San Francisco, but it was just like blew my mind that that was happening. And a lot of it is just because like you kind of, you don't know what is actually out there. So you just kind of assume that that's the best offer that you're going to get or that that's how much you deserve or yeah, it gets really um, interesting to hear the variety of salaries that people get. Cause they, like they can vary so much like even when like i feel like i'm making enough money i don't feel comfortable sharing it per se but it's like tech you know silicon valley money but i'm you got that tech, tech i know money. i got that free catered <laughs> lunch you got you got that adventure back salaries yeah you got. but it's still i'm still just like wait and i'll hear people make like hear other people um and their salaries i'm like wait am i not making enough like i'm still really confused because there's no the the range is so widely and i'm not like a product designer so i'm like i know i i guess i'm worth less than a product designer like what does that even mean yeah i I will say too that the the regional difference is huge and the the industry difference is really big uh i i keep in touch with some of the part-time employees and interns that have come through our office and you know keep talking to them and numerous of them have left part-time working for us and gone and gotten jobs right out of graduation that pay significantly more than I make uh, because they moved to San Francisco, moved to New York, and started working for you know some kind of tech company that has a lot of money to pay. Um, so like that's something I'm used to at this point. Like I I, I know that's going to happen to uh, some of the talented people that come through our office, but it is very interesting to see that that enormous leap that can be made uh, when you either go to a different city or go to a different <laughs> industry. And something Linda mentioned, which I want to come back to, is that, you know, practical advice for, you know, getting paid more money. Sometimes it is easier to get paid a lot more when you change jobs. Mm-hmm. And even if you yep. love the job you're in, totally. uh, you know, you can do that thing where you go work somewhere else for a year and you say you want to come back. And now, look, I have a year more experience. I need a lot more money now. Uh, you can do that. And that's a big reason I think a lot of people, especially in our industry, kind of jump around because it's one of the only ways that I think people feel comfortable asking for more money. And it's also a way that you can justify it and kind of climb that ladder. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I found that once you have a job, people are only willing to give you that 5% bump every year. Totally. Um, yeah. But then when you switch jobs, like you can get an extra $40,000, an extra 60000 <laughs> Like it's insane. It's so crazy, right? You're just like, Oh, I'll just add this like 40% padding to what I like expect. But if I had stayed yeah. at the same job, like um, my first job, uh, first design job if i just stayed there um i think the increases were like 1.5 percent to three percent a year and that's just like wait a second 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's currently the raise that we give ourselves every year that I give myself is basically that, essentially inflation, um, at least for the foreseeable future. So like, I understand where that number comes from. Yeah, uh, but at the same time, if you can make a lot more money by leapfrogging, then leapfrog, you know, jump around. Yeah, I think that if companies really value their employees, they should try to do that. And also like little things that I've had happen um, in my career that have been really nice have just been little bonuses, um, like unexpected bonuses. And uh, I don't know why, but I, for me personally, that boosts morale like a lot. Um, so even if you're not able to like give your employees a giant salary, it's amazing what like a few hundred bucks here and there can do. Um, and yeah, I think that also just like when I had that conversation with my coworker about negotiations for the first time, I think that like the thing that really blew my mind that I hadn't thought of before was just this thought of, uh, believing that you are worth more money and like going in with uh like bullet list basically of the things that you've done that year uh like the ways that you've helped to improve the company the ways that you've improved your own own performance and saying because of these reasons um I think that I deserve x amount of dollars now um and that was just like a conversation I had never even had with myself <laughs> before and um so I again like Andy, I don't think everybody should have to do that and like companies should be paying people Ideally. what they're worth. But um I think it's important for people to know that that is something that they are very allowed to do. And I think that's especially true in the first couple years of your career. Like the the difference in perception and pay between like fresh out of school or, you know, even not fresh out of school if you didn't go to college whatever, like first design job, junior designer, underling to the underling, like the difference in that versus just like having two years experience is a huge difference. And, you know, you have to basically think about even though you've just been in a job for a while, and you still feel like you and you're the same person, and you may not even have felt like you grew that much in terms of your skills. Like you are no longer a junior designer, you're now somebody with two years of professional experience doing yep. this job. And imagine what that would be like to go to another company and say that. And then say that to the person at the company you're already in and, you know, see how that works out, probably. Yeah. Um, I did want to touch on some other reasons why uh, people are uncomfortable talking about money in this exact sense and some of the sort of things that are behind that. Um, and one of them, which I think we've already kind of gone over, but I do want to, like, put a point on is that. One of the reasons it's uncomfortable to talk about this is because employers do their best to make it uncomfortable to talk about mm -hmm. this. Um, some people have contracts that say they are not allowed to talk about how much they're paid with anybody. Um, some people don't have contracts, but there is a like subtle culture and a, you know, maybe not subtle, maybe an overt culture of like, you don't discuss this. The people that are that, you know, answer to you don't know how much you make and they shouldn't know how much you make. Um, and, you know, companies may say they have the reasons for that. But at the end of the day, the biggest thing that does is it allows for uh, a system of bias to pay people different amounts uh, based on all sorts of unfair things. Uh, like if, if you are peers with people and it's the thing is not discussed, nobody's supposed to talk about it. You have a contract that's not supposed to talk about it. That just allows them to pay women less, to pay minorities less, to pay people that are quiet less, to pay people that are not able-bodied less, uh, which is a thing that I do think is BS. And you know, I get why, why it happens, and I, I recognize that, and I think we should recognize that we live in the real world, and that's, where, that's what's happening out there, but that is one of the major motivations to 
have people not talk about this stuff. And I think it's one of the motivations for why we have a culture like this. Yeah, and um, I also think that there's like uh, this this really thick problem with privilege floating around right now, um, where you don't want to be the asshole who's like, oh, this is how much I make, you know? Like, you don't want to seem like you're bragging. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's just like a really sensitive subject, especially since like I've been there where I am the person being paid zero dollars at an internship and then like waiting tables all night to try to make up for it. And I remember like looking at people like myself in the place that I'm at now with like such severe envy. And <laughs> I don't know, it, it like it hurts to do the thing that you love and to like not be compensated well for it. So some of us have fallen into places of privilege over others. And it's it just makes it kind of awkward to bring it up. Do you, um, do y'all remember, I think on Twitter, there was that, uh, there was like this hashtag that was kind of like, share your salary. And then, I do, and then yeah. somehow it had just turned into a lot of like tech bros bragging, like backdoor, uh. bra- backdoor <laughs> bragging about how much they were making at their big tech companies, you know, like it started off with like, in the beginning, like most people kind of being really honest about you know, their highs and lows and ups and downs, but then you, it started feeling like, you know, like engineers being like, I make this much money or design tech designers being like, yeah, I started here, but now I make tons of money. Yeah, that's, that's true. I I did notice that thing. I will say though, that like, even though that's a gross way to feel when you're doing it, like, haha, look, I've one up to the other engineer at this other tech company. Ultimately, I'm glad that they are posting those numbers online and that other people can look at them and say, holy crap, I need to ask for a raise. Totally, totally. Uh, So at the end of the day, like I'm willing to abide a few a few arrogant bros bragging about how big their salary is to have that information be more publicly available. Yeah. There's that cocky dude we use for reference to say, oh, I'll just ask what he's asking (laughs) for. Yeah. Um, So like, uh, Linda, so when you've when you moved or like when you check out companies um for positions like do you use Glassdoor or kind of other like salary like white paper like hired sends out like a 2017 or salary guide do you check those and have you felt that they've been um uh pretty accurate or is it just kind of like well this also just depends on the company um no so I used to check those um especially when I was like younger and kind of trying to figure it out Um, but now like that I have this sort of extended community through Twitter, um, I ask other females that I know specifically, well, Mm -hmm. I I have a few like male friends who I ask as well. Um, but I just like look to the job that I'm applying to and like figuring out who's the most relevant person to ask. So maybe it's somebody who works in like a company that's similar or, you know, somebody that I feel like I can actually confide in and ask them that. And, um, and Sometimes I'll ask a few people, and so I did this recently, and both people had very different answers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of let the person with the lower number know. Mm-hmm. I didn't give her any details, but I was just like, wink, wink, next time you're in San Francisco, you can uh, charge a little extra. And like, because I feel like we should have each other's backs a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like when I was freelancing as an illustrator, a lot of times people wanted you to just. They would say, oh, it's just a quick little thing. Like, right. we have a hundred bucks for it. You know, they try to underplay You're like, it. cool. <laughs> like, you have no idea. This is going to take me, like, two and a half weeks. And also, like, it's a real skill set that took me years to develop. But, um, so, so, yeah. So, I just, I tend to just ask um, 
my own extended community. And I mean, like, I'm looking for jobs right now, even. So I quit my job in San Francisco, moved to New York, and I've just been kind of like contracting and bumming around at different agencies and stuff. But um, yeah, I'm just kind of using now I'm just kind of using my last uh, salary as comparison, where I'm just trying to like, not necessarily even match that number. And I've had a few conversations about salaries with companies recently where I'm saying like, let's just not even talk about the numbers because right now I'm just worried about finding awesome people to work with. Because um, mm-hmm. that's another thing that I wanted to ask all of you is that there's this like theory that once you're making over like, what is it, 60 or $70,000 that your happiness isn't really increased um, with those incremental changes to your salary. Until you hit a certain number or I've heard that. And I feel <laughs> a certain like it's number is like, it's it's the number then, she gave though. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it it starts at like seventy, and then it's like your, your happiness really doesn't change much until you get like up into the like three hundred or four hundred thousand dollar range or something like that. Um, We're all just but yeah. yeah but I don't know. I I feel like that was true for I. It was definitely true for me in that it like basically a lot of money would not compensate for working with assholes. Totally. <laughs> yeah, th- that's the other thing I did want to mention at the end of this conversation is that you know these are the numbers that kind of guide like decision making like again if i was applying for jobs those are the kind of salaries i would be expecting but there are a myriad of reasons to accept jobs that pay less than that and case in point i currently get make way less than that because i have chosen to be my own boss and you know not to answer to anybody which comes with its own you know pros and cons so you know i would be looking for the right combination of factors like pay is not the only thing i'd be dictating where i worked and you know for a company that uh, you know, was working for social good or for a company that was involved in something I really believed in. Uh, you know, those things obviously are flexible, which I think mm-hmm. it's important to say. Yeah, actually, I was I ended up. So I do a similar thing to Andy where uh, run a digital firm with a couple of friends. And I took a pay cut to come when I started, I took a pay cut to come work with them because I really liked them. And I felt like it was time to move on from my last job. So it hasn't always just been about trying to make more money it's sometimes been about working with people i really wanted to work with yeah exactly i don't know about that salary thing and the happiness it could be a turns out or a double turns out but uh it feels right like but you're basically saying like if you are one of the privileged people in the united states that you know basically does not have to worry about being impoverished because you make you know over over this amount of money then beyond that, you know, I've seen, no, I know plenty of rich people that are real depressed. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I can see that being being yeah, a real I think, being a real thing. I think it, it it seems to make logical sense if you just say like, oh, okay, so you have enough money in the bank account that an emergency doesn't destroy you, and you pay your rent and you get to do fun stuff. That seems pretty reasonable. Anything more is just more money in the bank. And what does that mean to you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can't take it with you. Have we acknowledged all of our all of our various privileges around this conversation? Right, like we're in it, we're in an industry that pays well. All of us uh, were able to afford higher education for the mm-hmm. thing we do, so that's an enormous privilege that, of course, changes the landscape of potential jobs we can get and potential salaries we can be paid. Which I think is important. Um, yeah, I think we kind of covered that, though. Yeah. Well, let's go to our final thoughts then. What do we? All think? right. Final thoughts. Um, does somebody else have a final thought immediately come to their mind? I, I like talking. I, I like the idea that maybe this gives someone uh, some negotiating tools. Cause like, I feel like I spend a lot of time thinking about what the absolute ideal situation for hiring someone would be, but I know I'm on one side of it. So 
acknowledging the real world exists, I hope someone comes away thinking, oh, maybe I am either worth a little bit more or I can at least pretend that I feel that way to somebody else and try to negotiate a little bit more because that, that seems like a good for everybody. Yeah, I really um, want especially young women to know that they uh, should feel just as valued as everyone else that they work with. I think it took me years to get to that point um, where I felt like, yeah, like I was equal to the men that I worked with. Yeah, I guess my final thought is that the everyone should know that all of the companies that are hiring people, especially the bigger companies, have calculated and they're talking to each other and they're studying market reports and they're doing everything they can to pay you as little as possible. So you should do <laughs> you should do whatever you can to fight that, right? Like I think it feels gross because it feels like you're trying to gain an advantage, right? You're trying to do better than you should do. But fighting for that and being aware of other people being paid and negotiating on your behalf and standing up for yourself is only making up that deficit of how much capitalism is trying to suck your life away and give you as little money for it as possible. Uh, <laughs> I guess smile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> smile emoji, smile emoji. <laughs> oh no, you have to add lol, right? Like as self-defense like after that. Mm-hmm. Be like lol. Um I don't, my final thoughts, I am always so unprepared for this, but I totally agree with Linda. I think so many, I think just believing that you are worth um, maybe what your other friends are making or what your male friends are making is so important because I still find myself just being like, not making excuses, but being like, well, you know, like this, because of this X, Y, and Z, like, I don't really deserve this much money or like, I don't really need to make as much as this person because of, you know, whatever other circumstances. But I think it's super important to just like ask around, um, or ask as much as you feel comfortable and then kind of advocating for yourself or if not just finding someone at work to be an advocate for you. Cause I think there was, um, there's like studies where it's at least, studies where like it's easier for women to like advocate for each other so i mean that's a really great way to do it too just like squat up and you know advocate for each other and help each other out yeah definitely Woo! well thank you all this has been a thing this has been yeah this is intense <laughs> does anybody have anything they want to promote <laughs> i'd like to promote myself i think i'm worth a lot of money you should hire linda if you're uh, in new york or i guess you're accepting remote work too linda what are you looking for yeah i don't even know right now <laughs> i'm i'm in new york i'm looking for i'm just looking for the right thing you know looking looking for that right fit yeah i just want to work with some awesome people cool so if you're the right fit reach out to linda <laughs> um anything you want to plug at the end here annie Pre- oh, shout out to pre-sliced apples, I guess. Well, thank you both for joining us for this tense conversation. I can't go to bed right now. I'm all like jazzed up. I feel like I got my fight or flight going on. It's like Aww. backed into a corner. Ooh. I got to do something to defuse. This has been Working File. Thanks for listening. Real simple homework this week. Just go to Twitter, hit new tweet, type at working file, and then just send us your salary. Why not? And maybe we'll feel bad about ourselves if you work in San Francisco. Mm-hmm.